WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. On behalf of the Buffalo Sabres and all of our great fans, we are proud to select from the University of Michigan, Owen Power. The Buffalo Sabres are pleased to select from Lexan in the Swedish Hockey League, Isaac Rosen. I think the interesting thing about this particular deal is that, you know, Levi's a really interesting prospect. Um, you know, he played really well for Canada at the World Juniors when he was hurt. And also they had Spencer Knight, the young goaltender of the future, who won the gold medal at that event. I just think Buffalo's looking for goaltending prospects too. If you look at their overall situation at that position with Allmark testing free agency, they've got room there for people to play. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Sabres are up again in three picks, 88th overall here in the third round of the 2021 NHL Draft. We've got David Pagnota joining us here on the Western Hotline of the fourth period to help us walk through and maneuver through what has been a very busy two-day stretch for the Buffalo Sabres and likely will only continue to get busier. David, thanks so much for joining Brayton and I this, uh, this afternoon. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, not, not too much to talk about, though. Sorry. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry we brought you on on such a boring day, you know. Uh, well, I guess we'll just kind of have to rely on you to carry the show, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll, I'll make something <laughs> up or something. But, wow, yeah, busy, busy couple of days here, guys. Busy couple of days, and th- I'm actually quite happy that we did end up getting the final details of the Sam Reinhardt trade before you came on so we didn't have to speculate about it. Uh, let's start there, David. Overall, it, it appears to us anyways, on, on this side of things, when you look at that trade, two things likely stifled the return for the Sabres in the Sam Reinhardt trade. Or if you want to look at it that way, I think most people saw what the Sabres got for Rasmus Ristolainen and assumed that at the very least, if not more, they would get for, for Sam Reinhardt in a trade. He's an RFA who has yet to at least acknowledge or there has yet to be a report about any looming extension in place with Florida. So I would assume that has part of the uh, part of the reason for a diminished return. But I want to add in the fact that it feels like the forward group that is being moved here today and, and, and dating back to yesterday feels like the value on forwards is a little stifled right now. Now, David, would you agree? Uh, to, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, especially when you're looking at guys, you know, that are, you know, pending restricted free agents and, and pending because it'll be official on, on the 28th. But, um, you know, guys that are going into the final year of their deals or need a new contract right away, uh, the values of those have, have kind of shifted a little bit because there are so many different forwards that are really available that are out there. Uh, so teams have to be a little bit creative in, in, in how they're making these moves. Now, you know, on the surface, I, I would have suspected there might have been a third piece that would have come back in a, in a deal. Obviously, it didn't happen. The first-round pick that they get next year is uh, top-10 protected. So mm. Florida, uh, you know, really, really, I don't know, if, if half the team gets injured and they get hurt. Right. <laughs> ends up being a top-10 pick. You know, that'll move to 2023. So just a little bit of protection there. But, um, you, you know, the goalie, look, he's a good kid. He's somebody that they liked. I know Florida had some discussions initially with respect to Jack Eichel, and the initial ask was Spencer Knight, and that pretty much killed all those conversations mm. with respect to, to Jack Eichel, and they focused on Sam Reinhart. There were a number of teams that were in the mix on this one trying to make something work. Buffalo was adamant about getting a first-round pick as part of it. They couldn't swing something yesterday to get a pick in this year's first round. 
So they get it next year, and they get a pretty coveted goaltending prospect that they're very high on. And, David, from the Panthers' perspective here, your overall thoughts on this move for them as a team that is very clearly finding themselves in this window, and and, and what does Sam Reinhart do to their chances of taking that next step next year? Well, this, this helps solidify their top six even even further. I mean, they were deep already, uh, but this brings in a, a guy that can play either the center position or the right side, you know, similar to a Sam Bennett who's also up for, for a contract. He's an RFA. But it really solidifies their top six and then gives them a, a pretty deep bottom six as well, uh, one that's got depth uh, and, and one that's got veteran experience. When you've got guys like Yachari, Hornquist that can go in there, but at the same time, Owen Tippett taking another step forward in his development. He's only 22. Uh, Mason Marchman as well. And, of course, they signed uh, Anton Lundell, their first-round pick of last year. He'll be given an opportunity to, to crack the lineup and, and see where things go there. But this, this helps really deepen this team. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, this is a club, the Florida Panthers, that are in a win-now mentality. Um, and they feel their window can be open for an extended period of time, even with the question marks surrounding the, the, how good, really, Sergei Bobrovsky is going to be. They like the development of Knight. They, like, uh, they, they feel that Bobrovsky has a rebound season in him that he's due for, and they're not done. They're still looking at, at shoring up the blue line. Um, they're looking to trade Anton Strawman to free up a little bit of money and then eventually replace him on that on that back end, but this is a this is quickly becoming a very very deep team, um, and and one that you know gave the, the Tampa Bay Lightning a very tough go in, in uh, the early rounds of the playoffs. They're they're poised to make a deeper run next season. David Pagnota from the Fourth Period dot com joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. David, I was having this thought yesterday, and we've had a little bit of a conversation with it in terms of uh, teams willing to give up these high first round picks uh, in the trades for Sam Reinhart and Jack Eichel, and especially now for Eichel, the the focus now turns to acquiring top picks in the 2022 and 2023 draft. Even though a lot of people say that the 2022 draft is, you know, more highly touted than this this draft that's going on right now, perhaps maybe the reason that some of these teams weren't willing to bite on a potential Eichel deal is because they knew their draft position and they knew where they were going to be and the type of players they could add to their system going forward. It, it, maybe does that make it more enticing for a team to be willing to give up more in terms of maybe additional first-round picks or something like that going forward if, if they're continuing to talk about Jack Eichel? Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, the talks will definitely continue and, and carry out. I think that the primary hiccup in all of this is the fact that Kevin Adams has been standing firm in what his overall ask is for Jack Eichel. And, you know, even going into yesterday, um, the, the the price tag has stayed the same. Uh, it's it's a minimum of four assets, uh, maybe three if if you're you're talking about ridiculously high value. But you know it's two young NHL proven uh, and NHL caliber players, and then a combination of top prospects and first round picks. Uh, and and that's been a tough pill to swallow for a lot of teams that a have interest, but b also want to know what the proper direction is in terms of his healing process. Um, you know, there, there's not a clear-cut direction yet on what type of surgery he's going to have. There's still some confusion there and some disagreement there. They haven't set a, a specific timeline as to when they're going to go down that road. I suspect 
They're going to have this conversation later on this week at the earliest to see. And the teams want to know what those options specifically are. Again, going into the draft yesterday, I heard that they still haven't, teams that are interested still haven't seen the official medical reports on Jack Eichel. So, A, you've got to get to a, a point of, of proximity in trying to get close to a deal and then go through that process. I think, you know, that Buffalo's been transparent in what it is. They just obviously haven't provided the, the appropriate documents yet. Um, so, but teams understand exactly what type of issue they're dealing with with respect to Jack Eichel. Now it's just a matter of let's review them officially and let's, let's discuss a clear path as to what it is, but you can't get there until you make a move. And for the time being, they're still holding firm. Could you include a first-round pick next year as part of a deal? Sure. But now, because we've passed the first round of this year's draft, right. you're probably looking at more prospect-heavy type of packages. David, you know, I, I'm, overall, I'm, I'm sort of wondering what your your thoughts on the return for Rasmus Ristolainen were yesterday. Obviously, I think here locally, um, particularly within the fan base, there was a level of shock and awe to see the fact that Kevin Adams was able to draw a first and second round pick out of Philadelphia in return for Ristolainen and, and, frankly, a rostered player. And I know a lot of that has to do with potentially some some, some, some salary cap dump to create the space needed. But all in all, it's hard to look at the first major move of this offseason and not give a big thumbs up and an A-plus grade to, to Kevin Adams. Yeah, give him a standing ovation as well. I mean, that was a heck of a haul for, for Ristolainen, a, a guy who's you know, final year of his contract. There's no guarantee that he's going to stick around in, in Philadelphia. They'll have some discussions at some point soon, uh, but they haven't gotten there yet. So really, at, at, you're taking a risk in acquiring a player that could be you know, Gonzo in about a, another season from now. So, uh, huge kudos to, to the Buffalo Sabres for pulling this one off. I mean, even the 13th overall pick just for Ristolina alone would have been a pretty solid return. But to add a second next year, to add uh, Hag as well, I mean, this this was a really good move for the Buffalo Sabres and, and you know, certainly applaud them for it um, because it, it surprised a lot of people. But, uh, they, hey, they got the price. Philly was willing to pay it. Uh, so, you know, a, a win a, uh, on both sides based on that. But, yeah, uh, definitely some applause are due for Adams and his staff for pulling that one. Looking at the situation in Philadelphia, they've certainly had a busy last few days um, dating back to their trade, acquiring Ryan Ellis from Nashville, and now they bring in Ristolainen. They are remaking that blue line, but then also today in a trade with Jacob Voracek to get Cam Atkinson. Overall, what, what, what have your thoughts been on Philadelphia's offseason and, and really the better part of the last few days and how they're sort of remaking the image of this team? Yeah, well, that was the mandate going into the offseason was – we need to make the playoffs, get better, do what you can. Let's get towards the postseason and, and make some impact moves. And that's absolutely what they've been doing. They're, they're reshaping their blue line, bringing in Ryan Ellis, bringing in Ristolainen. Um, you know, they're, they're going to, they've got some goaltending issues. They got to figure out Carter Hart's an RFA, uh, but they're looking at bringing in a veteran backup to, to kind of play alongside him and, and help mold him moving forward. And you make a big move today with, that surprised a lot of people, including Cam Atkinson. Uh, I spoke to him right after the, the trade happened, and he was caught off guard by it. Um, this was – look, it's a good move. I think Voracek needed a change of scenery and to go back to a familiar environment in Columbus uh, is, is, is a good move for him. But I think, uh, you know, for, for Philly's perspective, they want to tinker, they want to shift, they want to make some adjustments to their roster and bringing in uh, an Atkinson who – 
uh, you know, a lot of people in Columbus haven't haven't had too much fun lately because of how poor they've been. It gives him a, a chance to rejuvenate himself a little bit. Only 32 yeah. brings veteran presence and, and goal scoring ability. It's, it's a solid add overall. And Philly's not done. They, they've got a few other things that they're going to try to work on over the course of the offseason. Uh, outside of just goaltending. What do you make of Columbus in all of this? Obviously, you know, moving on from Seth Jones, he ends up going to Chicago, getting paid, by the way, and making a move for for Jacob Voracek, the team that drafted him, um, whatever it was, back in 2007. Your overall thoughts on on, on maybe their outlook, and, and do you believe Voracek is in the in Columbus's plans this year, or, do, or maybe is he an option to potentially flip again? I. I mean, it's possible later on. I think I think they're going to hold on to him. They need to bring in some guys that have depth and um, a veteran presence within this this lineup. I think it's pretty clear and obvious that they're going through a full rebuild yeah. uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I would anticipate, you know, perhaps some other moves that are going to be coming down the pike in the next little bit. Jonas Corposalo is a guy that is getting a lot of attention. Uh, has been a goaltender there. They've got Elvis Merzlikens. They're going to try to sign him to an extension. Corpus Salo is a guy that's probably the odd man out. Uh, they make the Jones deal. They bring in Boquist. They're getting younger. He's only 20. There are going to be some additional moves here. The, the, Max Domi's injured. He's you know he had shoulder, shoulder surgery. Done for. I think he's got another five months to go. Uh, so they've got some things that they got to figure out. Gustav Nyquist is another veteran on this team. You need to have some vets on this club. Um, but we're starting to hear that he might be in play as well. And the interesting thing that we could be hearing a lot more of in the next you know, week or so is Patrick Lining. Mm. Uh, if contract talks don't go smoothly, Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, has already had some discussions with other teams just to gauge what the market is and to understand if he has to move him or, or tries to move him, what type of – options is uh, uh, excuse me what type of options are available if he goes that route he's doing his due diligence there but that's a big thing moving forward for this club is the future of Patrick Line he's arbitration eligible it's going to be a, probably my guess a tough negotiation if it really gets tough it wouldn't shock me to see some more discussions on the trade front with respect to Line and there will be teams that will circle back and and try to make something happen L.A. being one of them. David Pagnota here, editor-in-chief of the fourth period on the Wester Hotline. We're talking NHL, Sabres in particular, but but other storylines across the league. And a uh, in a frenzy of the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so with trades and obviously draft picks. And, and David, I kind of want to uh, return our attention back to the Sabres, in particular Owen Power. Your overall thoughts, he, you know, he met with the media yesterday, obviously after he was selected, and, uh, you know, the desire for um, – you know, for power to potentially go back to school. It seems like, you know, he, 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 it seems like both the player and the Sabres are in a win-win situation, regardless of what, what they determine, whether or not he plays in the NHL this year or goes back to Michigan. What are your overall thoughts about what do you, what you think is best for the player? And, and is that different for what you think might be best for the organization? Yeah. I mean, look, going through a rebuild like this, there's really no need to rush, uh, you know, a player who's set on going back to Michigan for another year. There's really no need to rush him back. Uh, or not rush him back, but rush him into the NHL. Uh, I think they understand the direction. I think they knew it going in, and and they're comfortable with it. But let me tell you, this is going to be a stud in the National Hockey League. I mean, this is a player that the fan base should absolutely be thrilled about. So next year is going to be a write-off. It is what it is. It sucks, but hey, you got to you got to go through it as as part of this re- rebuild process. But the future is is certainly bright um, with Owen Power on that back end. 
coupled with with Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, excuse me, Ristolainen. Um, this is this is a, going to be a, a pretty solid team with some of the prospects and kids that they've got, you know, coming up as well. But to have uh, Darlene and Power on that back end for years to come, that's going to be an impressive duo back there, kind of leading the charge uh, for them, kind of controlling the the back end. But this he's a big kid. He gets comparisons to Victor Hedman. Uh, he, he has some comparisons in, in part of his game to Chris Bronger. You, you, you marry those two kinds of players together and you get an Owen Power. If they get halfway to what those two players are capable of being, uh, then it's, it's a grand slam for the Sabres. So this is, this is going to be a really good kid, uh, and he's a good kid. Like he's, he's, he's got a great personality. Uh, I think he's somebody that's going to resonate very well with the fan base. And nowadays, that's you know, as important as it is yeah. being a star on the ice, being a star off it is going to be good too. He's going to be a star in Buffalo. David, last thing for you, you know, based on the moves we knew or expected were coming from the Sabres, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and potentially Eichel um, as the next few days potentially play out, are, are, are you like of the mind that there, there may be another move or two that this team, and, and maybe that doesn't include them moving out talent, but potentially trying to go out and maybe go get a piece to bring in, particularly at forward, they are losing a lot, a lot of star power, particularly on the front line. We know they've got two former first first overall picks on the back end. We know that there's some desire to continue adding to the goalie room. They still need an NHL goaltender, by the way. Um, but do, do you expect right. another move here from the Sabres that maybe we aren't thinking about uh, and maybe them trying to get better right now? Uh, well, I think goaltending is certainly one. Um, I mentioned Corpusalo earlier with, with Columbus. I know there's been some discussions there with the Buffalo Sabres as well to see what the price tag is. He is a pending UFA afterwards, so I don't know if they want to go that route particularly, um, but we'll see how, how that kind of transpires. They obviously need a goalie. Allmark's going to be testing the market, so that'll be you know certainly one. We've been hearing uh, you know uh, Colin Miller as a guy that you know, he was, there was talked about during the regular season. There's been some chatter that they may continue to explore a deal there um, on the back end, but in terms of adding to this team, again, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with Jack Eichel because they want two NHL caliber uh, uh, players as part of a package now that they can supplement and bring into the lineup uh, right away. So I think that, uh, and, and, you know, look, again, because of the rebuild, this is going to be giving more ice time to guys like Middlestad, to Cousins, to some of their other kids that they've got, uh, you know, on, on the team and allowing them uh, to kind of move forward. Is Jack Quinn going to be given an opportunity uh, to, to see what he can do and so on? So it, it, it's going to be a bumpy road. You're going to have to give these kids the opportunity to, to, uh, uh, get acclimated to the NHL on a regular basis. Could we see them add a few pieces here and there? Probably from a vet pres- presence perspective via free agency. Um, but from a from a trade route, I think outside of goaltending, uh, I, I, I wouldn't anticipate too, too much unless something just really falls into Kevin Lad- uh, Adams' lap. Awesome. David, thank you so much for your time, my friend. We really, really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the draft, and we'll be uh, looking forward to all the content uh, as, as it uh, spills over from just a day, two days, three days worth of uh, lots of content creation. So we really appreciate you, David. Thanks for the time, as always, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. David Pagnota there, the fourth period. Got to take a timeout on the other side. I've got Joe Yurden joining us, our last guest of the afternoon. And uh, we'll get you up to date. The, the Sabres did pick another Russian forward. And they, they, are, they are up next, too, at 95, uh, 94th Steven pick on the clock. Sardarian. That is the pick. He was teammates with um, Poldapov. 
in Russia. So that's they I have think some it's safe to say there's there. been a change in philosophy in Buffalo. Maybe there has. Maybe there certainly has. So uh, and also one more note from uh, Sardarian. He's going to be actually attending the University of New Hampshire for this upcoming season as a freshman. So he's making the jump to North America early to uh, to get in some action at the collegiate level. All right. Thank you, Brayton. All right. Time out. Other side. Joe Yurden here on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I think we're going to continue to look in every possible way to get our organization going in the right direction. Whether I get asked questions specifically on Jack or on someone else, I'm going to give you the same answer in terms of we're going to be open to everything, but we need to step forward and if we're going to do something with the player it has to be of value to our organization going forward and if it's for in our minds perceived that it's there's the value isn't there on any player then we wouldn't do that so that's how we're approaching that's sabers general manager kevin adams the sabers on the clock or will the just on the clock two picks uh out of the last three josh bloom a left winger and then their last pick at 97 oliver nadu Nate, 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 Nadu, Nadal, Nadeau, Nadeau, Nadeau. They are Olivier Nadeau. They are stocking Brayton on the wing. Stocking the just the forward cupboards. Like they are stocking the forward. Listen, this is an organization we knew that in the depth department up front. They just did. This team didn't have it. Um, so they get the goalie in a trade. They they're stocking pick after pick the forward cupboard. And now joining us on the Western Hotline is Joe Yard and Joe. Um, they are not leaving any stone unturned and on trying to add to this forward group within the organization pipeline. And, uh, you know, I, we'll see what ends up coming of it. But it's in at least it's good to see that that Kevin Adams has the same level of maybe desperation to to pack this organization with quality forwards and, and, and goaltenders. And I, who's to say they're done? Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, and I, I think it's it's important that he's going for skill players too, not just. You know, I mean, he could be packing it with wingers, but they could all be, you know, heavy power forward types. But these seem to be speedy skill guys, which, hey, both are desperate needs, you know, at, at every level of this organization. So those are these are good ideas. And, you know, I mean, Bottrell's drafts in the past were very defense heavy. Um, so, I mean, you know, with, with very much <laughs> a lot of neglect paid towards forwards. Um, so this is a this is a, a pleasant turnaround, all things considered, because. It, it's, I mean, it's it's been stark at forward. Just in the last couple of years at Rochester, it's been very thin. Joe, talk to me a little bit. I you know I saw your tweet, and I I do I do agree with you um, about this Sam Reinhardt situation. I, do do you think that maybe just based on the how about this? The question should be: Do you believe that the Rasmus Ristolainen in return is going to skew the thoughts of every trade from here on out for the rest of time? Uh, probably. <laughs> It's it, it set an unre- unreasonable bar, I believe, um, because I mean that's it was an incredible pull. I, I mean, let's face it, you know, you get that kind of return on Ristolainen, who every stat advanced and otherwise tells you he hasn't had a great run. Uh, but that's the amazing thing of the hope of of, of new scenery 
and being a very big, strong uh, defenseman uh, goes. I mean, and especially for the team like Philly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, Philly was a team I had picked out a while ago to say because every time I've spoken with Philly people, they said, "Yeah, what's up with Ristolainen? Do you think they'd trade him?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think they would." And this this goes back two or three years ago. Forgive the fire sirens. It's not. I don't think the Jack trades happened yet. So I don't think this. <laughs> I don't think it has to do with that. But, um, but it's. But but yeah, I mean, you get a first and a second for for Ristolainen when I think everybody was kind of thinking like they'll be lucky to get a third or a fourth for him. It's it's an unbelievable turn of events, and I you know I know the the Reinhardt return is getting some grief and i understand because reinhardt is the better player but i think it just it shows where the line's been kind of drawn with guys who are rfa this this year and they need to get a contract signed still yeah and i wonder too even if you even look past the rfa status for sam reinhardt do you believe that in general when you're looking across the league at some of the other forward trades that have happened that just generally speaking there seems to be a better uh, larger value placed on acquiring defensemen and guys on the blue line rather than forwards right now i mean you look at the oliver ekman larson trade you know obviously the ristolainen trade used to, the seth jones trade it just seems like it seems like teams are overpaying for defensemen and are grossly underpaying for, for forward movement. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a very particular year to, uh, to have such you know, glitzy names uh, you know, available on defense. I mean, you know, Seth Jones' deal was you know, he's got a year left on his contract. He wasn't going to stay in Columbus. Columbus had to send him somewhere, and, and Jones basically told Columbus, you know, hey, listen, if I'm going to sign long-term someplace, it's Dallas or Chicago. So, you know trade me wherever but like the, you know <laughs> let those teams know where i want to stay and you know they chicago stepped up and you know whether chicago was aware of that situation maybe that tells you you know how that how that plays out and that, you know the ekman larson deal i mean I, I think that that was kind of the price of, of getting connor garland yeah uh sure. out of that and you know i mean arizona willing to take on bad contracts just because but um, you know, they're, they're very eager to get to the floor. But, I mean, you know, to do that, you have to tell them, like, well, hey, if you're getting Garland, you got to take Ekman Larson, too. And like, you know, we know that they've been sniffing around at him for the last couple of years. So that, that seemed like overdue trades, kind of like kind of like how a Ristolainen trade goes down, where it seems like it's been overdue for a year or two. But, um, but, the, but the cost, I mean, you'd think the cost would be lower considering all the guys available out there. But, there's, but each situation has its own flaws to it you know with Ristolainen it's like is is what he's shown in Buffalo the real thing or can he be turned around elsewhere you know with Ekman Larson he's 30 now like what is you know what does he have left uh in Jones you look at what his performance has been the last couple of years and go oh Jesus he already peaked you know that that's that's where you're kind of at with all these guys you know I wonder too Joe do you think that like Jim Benning and Chuck Fletcher like they they got into a room and they were like which let's put money down on who's going to overpay more for an overrated defenseman. And then it just became a total wash where neither of them made money because they both just equally overpaid. Well, I, I would say Fletcher probably overpaid more. And listen, there is a history here with Fletcher and overpaying for Sabres players. I don't know what it is, but in particular, I look at what they're building in Philadelphia. The Ryan Ellis trade makes a lot of sense to me. This one doesn't as much, particularly when you've already you know made that trade. This is a player with one additional year left on his contract and you know there's no guarantee you get to re-sign him I just I don't know I'm I'm looking at those general managers and I'm saying this fits the bill but also I, I'm also still left at least head scratching a little bit right yeah it's it's definitely confusing and I mean I think this is the first time 
I'm, if I'm correct here. It's the first time Chuck Fletcher's done a deal with the Sabres since Tim Murray's. Been yes. Out. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. Uh, He's just it's, been it's, champing. He just he has wanted to overpay for years now for something, <laughs> and he finally got the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen. Sometimes you fall back on old habits, and these things can happen. But, um, but I, I don't know. I look at the way the Flyers' defense sets up, and I think I can kind of see where their mind is at. It just doesn't compute. And you know, listen. If you if you feel like you're you have to get that guy, and you think there's a market out there for him, and you know, I have to assume that there are other teams sniffing around. I know. I, I believe Carolina was one of the ones that were checking in on, on Ristolina because they they want every other finished player too. But um, but that was you know if if you, if you feel there's a competition there, sometimes you feel like you got to step up. Thing is, you don't know what that competition is offering and, and what's going on. So you know, in, in that case, it's good on Adams to kind of keep his cards close to the vest and say, well, you know, hey, listen, we might have to we might have to see what else is going on around there. You know, what else is going on around, out, out there and. You know, suddenly it's like, okay, fine, a first and a second. Okay, I guess we'll go. I guess we'll go with that. I guess that sounds fine. Devin Levi or Levy? I don't know how. How, how should I say his name, Joe? Uh, I think it's Levy. I think I. I didn't. I'll tell you right now. I didn't see too much of the World Juniors uh, this past year, so. Uh, if we're not enough to be able to hear someone professional uh, say it out loud, <laughs> right? Right, and you know, I, I know. That, People are going to see he's a seventh-round pick and say, geez, what a letdown. You know, a seventh-round, you know, a guy who's taken in the seventh round and a conditional first for, for Reinhardt, this seems bad. But uh, Levy, I'll, I'll stick with Levy. Let's, 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 yeah, stick we'll with stick with Levy. I, I like that. Wrong, but I'll stick with it. Um, but he was outstanding for Canada. I mean, I, I, I know goaltending in Canada has been a little bit lacking the past few years. Um, just in you know, as far as like getting big names and whatnot, let's say Levy was not considered a big name uh, when when Canada's tournament started up last year because I, you know Canada was kind of I mean they're always the favorites but it was just kind of like eh, I could see them losing to you know X Y and Z and he played his face off he was just incredible and you know he helps them win so that's encouraging the, the thing is everybody's got to pump their brakes because he's going to go to Northeastern. And he's going to play for two, maybe three years there. And then, you know, then it's time to, to bring him along. And, I mean, hey, if he develops into something where he's going to start pushing guys, great. But this team, you know, the Sabres needed goalies. They need goalies throughout their pipeline. I mean, to me, you have to draft one at least, if not every year, then once every other year, uh, just to kind of keep the machine going. Um, and they're kind of on that pattern right now. you got Lucan in. you got Portillo. Uh, who's going to be, you know, geez, he, I mean, he might, he might sign out of college this year, if, you know, all things go well at Michigan, but, um, but you're looking at, you know, kind of keeping the machine moving along with that. That's, that's good because last year they had no depth at goaltender. So this is, this is works out. The problem is now they don't have any goalies at the NHL level. Joe, I'm glad you brought that up because that was where I was going to go with my question is sure. It's good to have, you know, prospects in the pipeline for future needs down the road, but you look at the roster this year, all that's left for goalies is Tokarski and Lukanen, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you think the move is there to get some goalie talent for this year, at least in the short term? I, I think in the short term, you have to, you have to like, maybe you probably have to sift through free agency a little bit uh, to, to certainly find somebody depth-wise. And, I mean, uh, you know, if they can re-sign Allmark, that solves some problems. Uh, but say you say, say you resign Allmark and you keep him, you know how long is that contract going to go for? You know what what's the deal going to be? 
Um, and, and then I think you have to sign two other NHL experienced goalies uh, because we've seen Olmark deal with injury problems, you know, in the, in the last few years. And we've seen them run into other injury problems and other issues. I mean, certainly everything with Carter Hutton was, was very weird the last couple of years. But, uh, but you, I think you need two other NHL experienced guys uh, to go along with that. So, I mean, if you got Tokarski and Lukin in, in Rochester, throw another NHL goalie into the mix and see how it works out. I know you're going to, you know, people are going to say, well, geez, you can't block up Lukin. They're not going <laughs> to, they're, they're not going to do that because he's, he needs his games at the AHL level. Um, but I think you need to have that kind of competition going in there and you need to have it ready to go. Cause I, I, I you cannot run into the same problems you've had here for the last few years. Um, Joe, kind of last couple of things here, and, and as it pertains to Jack Eichel, um, you know, obviously that's been the the trade that everyone's sort of been waiting on. You get Ristolainen out the door, you get Sam Reinhardt out the door. You know, how long do you think this this stays status quo? Because it feels like there is a level of impatience happening within the fan base. I look at Kevin Adams and I listen to Kevin Adams, particularly yesterday. It sounds like he's done, A. B, it also sounds like he's not going to be rushed to make this move. Yeah, uh, in my mind, and, you know, I got proven very wrong in this. I thought he was going to be out the door before the draft even started yesterday. Uh, I figured that was going to be the one that would kick it off and then everybody would would slide after that. Then risk the line, it happens in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, well, that that was a little unexpected. But um, I I think in this case, though, we're working with a timeline that we don't know. Uh, Obviously, sooner is, is probably preferable for everybody. Uh, but I think this skews how you're going to, to, to do the return. Because I think you could piece together returns easily before the draft yesterday, I mean, concerning picks and, and whatnot. But if you're shifting all those picks to 2022, and, you know, they have a perceived lower value because they don't know where they're going to land um, team to team. So, uh, but, I mean, if you're, if you're accumulating 2022 number one picks, that's a good thing because the draft is a little bit deeper with, with better talent. And, you know, right now they're looking at two picks, you know, with Florida's pick in there. And that's great. <laughs> like, that's, that's a good thing. Now, Florida's going to be really good next year, so it'll be a lower pick. But that's fine. As long as you got it, that's another dart in the top 30, top 60. So, um, so to me, you're looking – I think right now you're, you're asking, the, you know, whoever's in the race right now, you're saying, like, all right, well, you're giving us your 2022 first, like, without a doubt. And at that point, you, you might be throwing darts further down the road. Say, give us 22 and 23 your firsts. Like, that's, that's now the price. And, you know, give us your top prospect and, you know, whatever big money uh, player you need to exchange to make the salary structure work. So uh, th- I think that shifts all the, the conversation. Now, I, th- I still think the same teams are involved, uh, the, the same teams that want them, but I, the, the conversations change now. Joe Yardin here on the Wester Hotline. Joe, um, I look at this Florida team and and for this trade, I, I like the Reinhardt trade for them a lot. I'm wondering, I, I'm wondering whether or not Sabres fans have a higher overall thought of who Sam Reinhardt is as a player than maybe the rest of the league. And, and obviously, I, I still think there's still a level of, of him being underrated or underappreciated here in Buffalo, but I do think that there are a lot of people that think very highly of him, particularly as an offensive player. Do you see him in Florida as a center or a winger? And does that, if you were a betting man, would you bet that this is something that maybe helps them get over the top to become a legitimate Super, um, it's not Super Bowl, of course, Stanley Cup contender? 
I, I see it making them a much better team. And if he's if he does play center there, he's their number two center uh, because he'll be behind Barkov. I mean, Barkov's their number one with a bullet. Um, and that you know that to me. And if he's not playing wing, then he or if he's not playing center, then he's playing wing on the first or second line. And at that point, you're looking at a very, very loaded top six. You know, with Huberdeau, with Barkov, uh, with um, with Reinhardt. You know, you you start throwing these guys together, and you're like, okay, this team's this team's got a lot more going with it. You know, I mean, you know, they got Sam Bennett uh, last year from Calgary for basically nothing, and then he turned into a point amassing monster like the guy he looked like the guy that calgary thought they were going to be getting in the draft and instead uh he, he they used him as a fourth liner and then he goes to florida and he started scoring a bunch of so you know th- certain things just seem to happen in magic ways down in florida which is very odd because they you know they've got as long a, uh they haven't won a first round play they haven't won a playoff series since they were in the since they made the cup finals in 96 which is a a staggering run but um but I, you know, moving Reinhardt to a divisional team on the Sabres part is really curious. Yeah, and I, I do wonder if the return is a little muted uh, because there's not a they they may not have an extension worked out, and maybe Sam told like, hey man, listen, I'm just interested in one year. I want to go to free agency the next. But I mean, I don't think you have that conversation immediately right away. But you're going to have that conversation quickly uh, with you know with the Florida Brass. So, uh, but as far as what. Sabres fans think of him. I I think the take is very spot on. He's been a sixty point a year player, uh, basically the last three or four years. He scored at like a thirty five forty goal pace last year while playing center and without Jack. So to me, that these are all marks of a guy who can really produce and can really play well. And you know, for all the knocks that he's gotten, you know, he's you know, they, people say he's soft. He's this, that, the other thing. He's really good defensively. He's very strong defensively, and he's very good around the net. And he's, you know, he showed last year he can play center very well. So, to me, this is a guy who's kind of rounded out now. He's a, he's a he's a very good player. All right, last thing for you, Joe. Give me your overall thoughts on Friday. Uh, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, right? Was that the expansion draft? Whatever. The, earlier in the Wednesday. week, Wednesday. I knew it was Wednesday. a day. It was a day. It ended <laughs> in day. Um, I left. I didn't watch the whole expansion draft, particularly after the first couple picks. I just I felt like I walked away really unimpressed by Seattle with all the resources made available to expansion teams, particularly after Las Vegas. For them to basically make no backdoor deals, for them to basically leave a ton of guys they could have really turned around and made some headway with, or maybe I'm just looking at Terrence Sinkle for this, but like for them to really just go the most boring route. I thought it was a disappointment, and and especially in a year where you're on ESPN, this is nationally broadcast, a new network, new everything, and you just basically do the most boring thing possible through every pick, all 31 teams. It was just, it was disappointing for me. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as like a spectacle, it was not, it did not live up to the hype. Uh, but I, I, I get an idea of what Ron Francis is trying to do with that group, and it seems like he's putting together a very it'll be a quiet team and i wonder i do wonder how they're going to score goals but i think it's going to be a team that's going to play extremely hard it's going to be those that classic hard to play against team and you know there there are certainly some you know on paper some big flaws with that team yeah and you could have solved it you get a Tarasenko, you know take a swing at carry price do whatever um and you know maybe maybe work out a deal with gabriel landeskog and, and take him like i mean the options were plentiful and they took none of them and they they did not spend a ton of money either which is fascinating on its own but uh i you know i mean it, it lacked pizzazz but like 
you compare the cities of Seattle and, and Las Vegas. Like, Las Vegas, look at all the competition competition for entertainment you have in Vegas. If they stunk out of the, out of the gates, it's not good. I mean, it's not good in Vegas. I mean, in Seattle, I mean, they've shown that they are intensely loyal. I mean, you look at the Seattle Sounders, for you know, in the MLS. I mean, they, they're drawing forty thousand a game to MLS. Like that's wild. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, I think I think people are going to take to this hockey team like crazy up there because it's it's a very good hockey market. I believe. Uh, you know, the 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 WHL has been very successful in the Northwest, and to have finally an NHL team up there since you know first time since nineteen fourteen, I think. Uh, is pretty wild. So that's all that said. Yeah, it's it, it, you're not saying like, wow, the Kraken are coming to town. I gotta, I gotta see Chris Dreger in that. Like, you're not <laughs> saying any of that. My thoughts exactly, Joe. Thank you so much, my friend. Enjoy the rest of the draft today, and uh, let's get a beer soon. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. It let's does, do doesn't that. it? Yes, absolutely. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Nate. You too. Awesome. Joe Yurden on the Western Hotline. Going to take a timeout, close things off next segment here on WGR. All right, wrapping things up here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson here with you to close things out as Nate Geary's got a tea time that he wants to get to, and that's completely fine. I'm more than happy to wrap things up for Nate and uh, wrap things up for the weekend as well. Currently right now, we're still in the fourth round of the NHL draft at pick 108. Chicago is on the clock. They uh, they are making their selection right now as Buffalo has already made quite a few selections today, starting with the first pick in the second round. That happened to be Prokar Poldapov. He is a Russian winger. He's a a playmaking guy, good speed. Uh, So they open up the draft, selecting him with the 33rd overall selection. Buffalo then followed up in the second round with the 53rd overall selection. Alexander Kisakov is the pick there for Buffalo, a goal-scoring winger from Russia. And I'll tell you what, from watching what I could from both of those players, uh, they seem pretty exciting players. They got good speed, and especially Kisakov, who, I mean, just, he's got great offensive talent, especially in tight. He can dangle with the puck. He can, he can do just about whatever with the puck. So uh, so both of those players from Russia, uh, they weren't done, though. The Sabres selected another Russian in the third round with the 88th overall selection. They selected Steven Sardarian with the 88th pick from the Florida Panthers. Sardarian was a teammate of Poldapov in Russia, putting up 30 points in 50 games. He's going to be going to the University of no- of New Hampshire. And then the Sabres, with their most recent picks, turned to the Canadian Hockey League first with the 95th selection, selected, uh, selecting Josh Bloom from Saginaw in the Ontario Hockey League. Also, the Sabres, with the 97th pick, two picks later, ended up selecting forward Olivier Nadeau from Shawinigan in the Quebec Major Junior League. And the Sabres, they will have a number of picks still to go. Again, they have 11 total picks in this year's NHL draft. And I'm just going to bring up all of the remaining selections that they have. Buffalo still has four more picks to go. They will select 159th overall in the fifth round, 161st overall in the sixth round, 188th overall in the sixth round, and then 193rd in the seventh round. It'll be the first pick in the seventh round, and that is their final selection on the day. So still lots to come for the Buffalo Sabres with their draft class coming up here. If you miss any of the picks, you will be able to find them at WGR550.com. You'll be able to read up on each pick, what they bring to the table, and 
go from there uh, as Buffalo continues to fill out their upcoming draft class. So again, three picks from the uh, from Russia with their first three picks of the day to add on to Isaac Rosen and Owen Power yesterday, and then Buffalo just recently adding two players from the West uh, from the uh, Canadian Hockey League: Josh Bloom of the Ontario Hockey League with Saginaw and Olivier Nadeau from Shawinigan in the Quebec Major Junior League. That'll do it for our coverage here on WGR Sports Radio 550 in this extended edition of Sports Talk Saturday. Uh, Nate Geary, for Nate Geary, I'm Brayton Wilson. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Also for Franklin Heinzman, who is producing all day on the board. Thanks for the good work there. We'll speak with you once again when we come back for our regular normal programming on Monday with the Howard and Jeremy Show. But until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy Hopefully the beautiful weather that that is expected to be ahead for you. It's not going to be a washout like last week. So enjoy. Have a good weekend. Maybe we'll get some more uh, Sabres action over the weekend as well. And again, we'll be back with you again on Monday at 6 a.m. with Howard and Jeremy right here on WGR Sports Radio 550.